atmosphere was absolutely outstanding, electric. The, the songs just came thick and fast, non-stop, for the whole 90 minutes. It was amazing because they were singing at one side of the uh, away end, one song. The lot where I was, I was the nearest, the nearest to Leicester fans. They've got a bit of a drum that mournfully banged every now and then. And we were singing a different song. So it was every now and then they'd merge together and it would come up like a, like a crescendo of the sound. It was uh, it went through the entire repertoire. It was uh, my favourite, the Blade Races, of course. That there was given a good airing. We'll support you ever more, so I've seen the, the, the favourite on the night. Each of the players was getting a, a real good cheer. Because they all played well. There was 11 good performances out there on, on Friday night. I was particularly pleased that there, Iosi Perez got his name sung. Because the lads took undue criticism, I think, for a while. Because I've always, always thought he was one of our better players. He's, he's one of the few players who actually got a trick and who can actually take somebody on and go past him. And he certainly got an eye for goal. It was very fitting that the fans gave him the accolade of the, the Andy Cole song. Just substituting his name for, for Andy Cole in the old Andy Cole chant, which I thought was great. Fabian Scher got his name sung. He was... He went on one of his wonderful lung-busting runs, taking the ball from his own penalty area all the way to the edge of the uh, opposition penalty area. Uh, amazing dribble. Very entertaining. And it reminded me of Philip Albert. But anyway, the atmosphere was great. The result was good. And uh, Leicester played well as well, mind. They had plenty of the ball. But our Rafa is the maestro when it comes to... Uh, Defending, he really is, and the uh, once we got a lead, it was uh, very impressive to watch. How they uh, just snuffed Leicester out every time. Leicester should have scored at one stage. Jamie Vardy would normally bury a chance that he had on his left foot when he was put through, but he uh, thankfully put it over the bar. I think that was largely due to Martin Dubravka coming out and forcing them to go high. Uh, that's the tenth clean sheet, I believe, for Martin Dubravka. It was very good. Keep it here. The fans, as I say, sang non-stop, which again just shows you, if we had a side that were challenging and were winning, that atmosphere would be the norm. The fans just didn't want to go away after the game. And I thought, well, we're going to go home now, end of the match. And uh, nobody moved. And the aisle where I was was absolutely jammed with people. And uh, I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to go home. So I ended up uh, just joining in and singing the head off with the rest of them. <laughs> uh, great fun, great time had by all. Hi, I'm back with Andrew as part of another Outcast. Uh, we've just heard from Bryn, who was at the game, and gave us his perspective firsthand. So really grateful for his contributions. Andrew, how are you doing? You okay? Yeah, it was a nice weekend because, like, basically, I didn't have to worry about Newcastle over Saturday or Sunday because, like, we'd already won and everything. So it was quite, uh, quite a nice. It's a, I think those Friday night games are good if you win on them because you don't have to stress then over Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> it's a bit of a pain in the ass for travel, I think, but it yes. was nice to kick back and enjoy and enjoy the conversations that surrounded it as well. Mm. Obviously, it was quite action packed. You watched it on the TV, as did I. What were your thoughts in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the events of the game? Yeah, so it's funny you say the atmosphere. I mean, I um, 
I've been to, I, I went to uni in Leicester so I've been to quite a few games at the K the King Power and it's uh, they they do have a fantastic atmosphere there I've got to say their fans constantly are making noise they they really get involved in the game and so forth I mean I, I actually went to one of their I think it was their playoff game against Watford yeah um a few years back and that is one of the best atmospheres I've seen so I think Leicester you know they definitely score points for their atmosphere it was it is a fantastic place to um for an atmosphere and it is a very nice stadium as well um but thankfully we won <laughs> so uh it was a great result um very solid away performance um Rhoda luck a little bit at the time that chance that Vardy has near the end um but you know, at the end of the day, we we got three points. We, I think this is only our third away win of the season. So um, you've got to take it when you get it. So um, And it was a brilliant goal. I mean, Richie's cross for Perez was really good. And um, I think when you compare how we played when we played them at home, in that game, like they, they completely outplayed us and we looked absolutely terrible. I think if you remember Madison scored that really good free kick and Yes. Yeah, we looked we looked really, really bad that game. So it was it and it was Leicester had won, I think, five in a row coming into it. So to kind of go against the grain and throw four out the window and get a three points, just fantastic. And it was another fantastic Ayose Perez goal against Leicester he seems mm. to get joy away at least but you're right I think you talk about how uh, dynamic and how skillful their players are in their squad they've got some real talent and young talent in there as well uh, we did talk last week about how we should probably be emulating the way they develop players and things like that so I think there was some some good points made but the performance itself in terms of the defensive uh, regimen and the defensive quality that we we have shown in uh, many of the games that we've played this season that was that was epitomized in that game on Friday yeah I think defensively we were very very solid obviously we, we were missing Lejeune um, he played Mankio right wing back instead um, and you know we've got a lot to be proud of really um, going away from home to keep a clean sheet is very difficult especially for Newcastle so um, we did really well and I think we're going to touch on that, but I think probably one of the man of, man of the match was probably Fabian Schaal, who was just brilliant. I mean, a three million signing from Deportivo. I mean, it's just we sometimes we criticise Rafa for some of his signings, and three million for him is just I mean, it's just a steal, really. From a side that you know relegated from La Liga, and to go and get this guy when no one else was really in for him, it was just very good business. And I'm sure if we were to if we if we wanted to sell him, we would get a lot of money now. He scored a few goals this year and also he just he's so good on the ball and coming out of defence that he's perfect. He's a three five two. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was worth three million alone just for that Franz Beckenbauer style run. As Bryn reflected, Fabian Cher was one of the, the standout performances. I also want to bring up Perez and Matt Ritchie, who have taken a bit of a battering on this podcast in the past few podcasts. Is it time for one or both of us to eat some humble pie because I was quite critical of Matt Ritchie. You have been quite critical of Jose Perez. What do you think about their particular performances? Ritchie played well and Perez, I mean, but I think Perez just proves the point for me that he's consistently inconsistent. You know, he did, he had an amazing game against Everton where I thought, oh, he's going to kick on now. He got, he scored two goals 
And well, I mean, one of them was ridiculously offside. We were very, very lucky. But um, <laughs> um, now I want him to kick on and to start playing until the end of the season. Just start scoring it like every other week and p- put in performances. It's in there, but he doesn't show it enough. And um, I think in recent weeks, prior to this game, he hasn't been playing well other than that Everton game I spoke about. He had a good run of form at the end of last season as well. And then the start of this season, he was terrible. Hopefully, this is the start. I mean, it's a great finish, an amazing cross, um, you know, a real poacher's finish. Um, goalie's got no chance, but still, we need him to do it consistently because he still flatters to deceive, but probably after Shah, he's our second best player. So I'll give him some credit for that. I agree with you there. I think... What we talked about in previous weeks, um, to bring Matt Ritchie into the frame as well, is how we we talked about things like the relationship between Almiron, Rondon and Perez together and the cooperation with other players like Matt Ritchie. And it seemed that there was a lot more connectivity in the way they were playing. There was I don't know whether it was like a deliberate back heel or not from Almiron to kind of set up the Ritchie cross, but as a move, uh, it was superb. And you also talked last week about how we need to get the ball into the box for wide areas a lot more. Mm. And that definitely happened. I mean, it was a fantastic ball in. And I think Perez on his day, as he showed on Friday, that was a very, very difficult header to follow up in mm. terms of uh, finishing. So it was it was real quality. One of the issues a lot of people have with um, Perez is lack of strength, lack of aerial ability. doesn't seem to win much. He falls over a lot. But, I mean, that is a great goal. Um, he shows really good players. It's a predator instinct goal, really. So, it's good to see. It's interesting, like, when when I first started seeing Perez, Rondon and Almiron all playing together, I was so excited. But then, in recent weeks, we've just... Like, against Arsenal, we did absolutely nothing. Palace, we threatened at times. But, you know, I think... When those three all are working in tandem, we are a real threat. We just need them to do it consistently. But they might be asking too much. But it's good to see Perez score a goal like that, to be honest. Um, you know, some people say to me, oh, what do you expect from someone who costs 1.5 million? I think the the issue everyone has with Perez is we know he could do it every week. It's just he just hasn't been able to do it. So uh, we just really want him to kick on and just like every other week we're turning into quality performances. You know, that's what we all want for him. So is the humble pie staying in the fridge? I just, uh, I think we've all been there with Perez, if I'm honest. Everyone has been, after the Everton game, everyone was like, oh, he's going to kick on now. And it didn't happen. And, you know, he's non-existent in the, the games following it. So the humble pie is going to stay. But um, if he does it for the next two, three games against Southampton then yeah, I, I will say. But like until he does it, he still needs to do it week in, week out. I think I'm going to take a, a sizable slice for Matt Ritchie because I, I criticised him quite a bit. But without taking this rather forced metaphor, it's I, I think... It was cross, wasn't it? It really was. It was really great cross. And uh, it, does, it does show that the, there is talent in there. And there's a, another... It was one of his throwback blood and thunder performances mm-hmm. that when he first came to us... Uh, he showed so there's a lot more in terms of collaboration between the the front players and 
as we've alluded to, the back five were, were fantastic. Um, so it was a real quality performance. And Just thinking generally, I've, I have been thinking about this. I do, I do think crossing is becoming a bit of a dying art. Like most teams now try to work the ball and get to the byline and make good passes and you know then square it across. We're not seeing crossing as much, so it was quite refreshing to see a cross like that. So it's good for Richie for us to see something like that. So safety, it seems all but assured now. I mean, mm. mathematically, there's still a chance of us going down, I believe. I could be wrong there, mm. but it, it, it's something ridiculous like Cardiff yeah. have to win every game and we have to lose significantly. Yeah, I think I think to be honest, looking at the, the bottom of the table, I think Brighton's run of form is just dreadful at the moment. And to lose 5-0 at home probably means that even if Cardiff were to catch us, I think Brighton would be below us anyway. So, So I think pretty much we're safe now. It doesn't feel like we're part of the conversation anymore, I have no. to say. Uh, so that's that's testament to, to Rafa. And, you know, there are there are valid criticisms of the team, but they have, yeah. they, you can't fault them for their, their hard work and industry. Uh, and they did show some real class on Friday. So it's brilliant what, to see. Did you see what Matt Ritchie said um, yesterday? He said basically that he doesn't feel the players get enough credit for what they've achieved. Um, and saying that... The problem with a lot of Newcastle fans is we compare them to the Keegan and Sir Bobby Robson days and that basically it's such a high pedestal that they'll never be able to achieve it. But actually they're achieving what they should do and the fans should respect them more. And if he, he, we were saying he felt that we didn't give them enough credit. I don't know what you think of that. Like I, I found that quite an interesting comment to make because he, he made a comment before. I think I can't remember which game it was, but I think we will. We went 2-0 down at home and he said basically he felt like the fans had given up already and that like, you know, he still felt motivated that they could come back. But like if the fans at the time, I think it was at the start of the season, the fans might just didn't seem to have any faith that they could come back. I mean, do you think we give them, the players, enough credit that they deserve? I think that part of the problem is that we're, you know, we're, we're a second season into coming back up. We can't be in this position next year where we're treading water. And we know that, and the players will know as well about the criticisms that are levelled at them. And I can understand from Richie's point of view that that may be frustration boiling over because we know he's an impassioned player. We know he's someone who wears his heart on his sleeve a lot of the time. You can see by the faces he pulls throughout the game. He's he's someone who really, really um, works hard, but also, you know, shows frustrations if he... If he, uh, I mean, he takes it out on corner flags all the time uh, when he celebrates, when he's when he's happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in terms of those quotes, maybe it's quite telling that there is frustration with the fans, whether that's a fair reflection or not. At worst, people may accuse it of being club PR. I know in mm. the past that uh, Jamal Lascelles got in a bit of trouble for earlier on in the season, not long after he'd signed a contract, made comments about the fans' negativity. And the, the, those comments, though, were basically about Mike Ashley weren't they and he based his whole I think he's met Mike Ashley once and he based it all on that you know when they went for that I can't remember it was 995 uh, restaurant meal <laughs> uh, no expense he, he said that oh Mike Ashley seemed like a really nice guy he's got to remember I mean Les, Jamal Lasell's got to remember that we've obviously we've been dealing with this idiot since 2008 and he's been our owner and he's done a lot of things. So, 
you know, I think saying, you know, I don't understand why the fans are angry when, I mean, we don't have to go through it. We all know, like, the way treated Kevin Keegan, the way treated Alan Shearer, the renaming of the stadium, two relegations, under a huge underinvestment, Joe Kinnear giving Pardew an eight-year contract, treating a lot of fans with contempt. It's just like there's so many more we could go through. To say that comment after you've just met the guy once rather than someone we've known him for 11 years mm. like you can't you can't make comments like that i don't think he was angry with the fans i, I don't think the fans were angry he was angry with the fans about performances we were angry with him because he made a comment about the fans when really needs to fact check it's like um do you remember a few months ago rio ferdinand made those stupid comments about like how newcastle fans are to mike ashley and he clearly didn't know what you know. He clearly didn't know what he's talking about. There was a clear conflict of interest because I think Rio's sports, whatever his hats or whatever, are sold in Sports Direct. Five. Um, yeah, five or whatever. And um, you know, again, you just whenever you make comments, you just got to be really, really careful. It's just going to cause outcry, so you just got to be careful. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have a problem with if if somebody meets somebody, I've got no doubt that. Mike Ashley can be superficially a nice guy. But if you then talk about negativity amongst the fans, then you've got to appreciate that these are people who are paying, you know, a king's ransom every season. I often think that money is is very one-sided in the conversation when you talk about football. They talk about the, the money in the game on that side. But when it comes to money uh, from the fan side, it's largely forgotten about. And mm. I think those in the footballing community... Um, don't often recognise that. So I think you're right. You know, there needs to be more sensitivity about these kind of things. And I don't want to get on to Jamal Lascelles or Matt Ritchie overly uh, because they do work hard and they, they do deserve credit. But it's it's a difficult debate to have, isn't it? I think one of the things as well is, if you look at it generally, is for me, like I think Lascelles would, 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 could play for a top six side. Maybe not the last few few months, couple of months, but before that he was he was playing really well. But the thing, like our frustration with not spending is because we want better players. <laughs> so for players who are there at the moment, they might not understand it because they might be like, well, I think I'm good enough to be that player. But generally, we all know, generally, if you, know, if you want to be with the top, like the cities, the Liverpools, even like the Arsenals, you know, the, the four beneath them, you need to be spending huge amounts of money. And like the likes of, like, for me, Richie wouldn't, get into a top six side you probably would even be in the squad if i'm honest um sometimes they can they can i think they find when we when fans say well we need to spend more we need to spend more they find it as a a slight on them but really we just want to progress i mean you can understand when it all comes down to recruitment strategy doesn't it and relying on putting all this pressure on players who aren't these these kind of players that fans necessarily see as as progressive um, it it puts, does put pressure on these particular players. You know, they have personal pride, they have their own reputations, and even they'll have their own ambitions. You know, they'll want to see next season, I should imagine, a next target, something else to aim for other than uh, treading water in the league. And uh, that extends to our manager as well. Indeed, they, he'll want to see more ambition shown, which is the word that gets trotted out every year. Yeah, I think treading water is probably the right phrase. Most fans 
they they want to see that we're improving and it's i'd say it's pretty much the same season last year because last year we just had that run at the end so i think when we came 10th there was a false position mm. so um the, the position we're in at the moment is probably the right position for us so i don't think there's been a huge amount of progress made generally um, I think there was a stat a few weeks ago where it was exactly the same number of wins, same number of draws, same number of defeats. So we are kind of stalling and we, people just want to see progress. It's just not quite happening. Mike Ashley probably will see it as well. It shows it's working. You know, I'm keeping us in the Premier League and that's, you know, that's what I, I can't compete. But the issue as well is we, we're starting to see is that clubs are going to overtake us even more because they're going to just keep plowing money, keep plowing money, and we're getting further and further behind, so we just have to be careful. I mean, to labour another metaphor, if you're treading water whilst people are doing strokes in front of you, then <laughs> you're going to fall behind. We're, we're kind of drowning, and they're on jet skis. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> well rescued there. <laughs> talked about fans quite mm. a bit there now the basis for this this podcast is to get across fans point of view and present a united voice from personal point of view i'm part of a quite an active protest group uh, you've been invited onto the podcast and would it be fair to say that you you aren't necessarily we're in a situation where rafa's contract is up at the end of the season there's a lot of unrest here the potential to to boil over is there will it boil over you've talked about season ticket non-renewals things like that what do you think is going to happen and and what roles do the fans play in all this i think generally the fans like i think i've mentioned before is like we seem to only start kicking up issues when the team doesn't do well now i think you said like we're pretty safe now i think it would probably be the best time to protest because we know our premier league safety is secure it would you know it would we the plan was to do the um, boycott the Wolves game, but that never happened. Um, I think probably the next home, next couple of home games, it would be worth boycotting. Probably the Liverpool game, if you want to make the maximum amount of noise, because that match is because of Liverpool being in a title race. That is that that image of an empty stadium is going to be shown to millions of people around the world, really, um, and. That's not good for like the brand of Mike Ashley generally. It's interesting. A lot of people say, "Oh, like if you don't go to the match, it's not going to make huge season tickets. Don't make a huge difference anymore." And um, it's it's all about TV revenue and everything. But I think sponsorship would be like, well, if does that continues that empty stadium, like they're not going to be as keen. Um, obviously, match day revenue goes down. Um, the I think the brand gets affected. I, I think for me, if we are would were to protest one game, I would probably go for the Liverpool, the Liverpool home game. As soon as that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think if you want to make a statement, if you want to make a statement, that's the game which is going to be watched. You know, but if you want to make a huge statement in terms of we want it 
people to understand like the frustration then that probably would be the best time. I mean, earlier in the year, they had some weird protest where it was like some people came in on the 11th minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the 11th minute. and um, That's right. There were so few people doing it. It was ridiculous. It was, it was just very poor. We need a united. Not everyone's going to do it. That's everyone's choice. But we would need over 50 to 60% to do it for it to look good and to make an impact, I think. So um, I think the Liverpool home game would probably be the best game to do because of the worldwide. I mean, personally, it's difficult because obviously I'd want us to beat Liverpool. And if you don't have as many fans, less difficult atmosphere. But I think if we want to, so we have to do something to get this man out. And I think it's worth a try. Mm. Well, playing devil's advocate, you, you will get the criticism that we need to be there to back the team you mentioned about the atmosphere being toxic for people who come into the stadium um i suppose that goes both ways in terms of the atmosphere being toxic for the ownership it requires you said 60 percent of the fan base i mean uh, or the attending fan base anyway mm. that that is quite significant to have people shared sentiment acting in unison is really quite a difficult thing to achieve so the large-scale stuff has has been tried before there was some success i believe with the boycott spurs that happened a couple of years ago Um, there were significant absences from fans during that and then following that point uh, there was an 80 million spend under steve mclaren that was the season we went down five do you mean the 5-1 spurs game no before that oh right before that so it's prior to steve mclaren had uh, not long joined and Mm. then uh, there was a there was a the boycott spurs event uh, by ashley out Um, Mm. and then the following summer prior to going down there was a a large spend of around 80 million yeah it's, it's funny you talk about that spend of 80 million because it was 80 million spent but it was 80 million spent when we needed defenders <laughs> it was a weird that was a weird transfer window but yeah I, I can see what you mean in terms of it made you know it, it made some impact and you know maybe it forced them to spend some money um i think if we were to boycott it might force the hand a bit the other thing i think it would do is if Mike Ashley does want to sell, it might be like, yeah, I'll sell if he has this event. But if we just leave it in full stadium, no, like nothing's happened, then he's less likely to sell. I just, I just want him to sell now. I think everyone's a bit kind of because, like, we, I feel like, I feel like all the other teams are progressing and we're on pause. And like, it's only gonna, we we're only gonna be able to plash play when Mike Ashley leaves because nothing's gonna happen. So it's, it is really, really, really difficult. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I think because it, for me, if you have lower attendances, it may mean that he can he would be more willing to accept a lower fee for the club, which is what we all want, really. It's not just down to his ownership of the club either. It would surely damage the Premier League brand if uh, that sort of thing was happening. Uh, on a regular basis each each season what do you think mm. about that yeah i think it would it would definitely damage for him for him as well it's about sports direct you know looking good in a nice stadium full of people because that's what to be honest like you can't go one centimeter in st james's park without seeing sportsdirect.com somewhere isn't it so mm. um, if we can somehow damage his brand um, with an empty stadium, I think 
some of the, like I've said before, people need to stop using the club shop. Um, I understand that obviously it's, the, it's our club. We want to buy memorabilia from there. We, we all want, a lot of people want the new shirts and everything. But all that money goes to him, really. And uh, if we want him to feel some sort of financial problem from it, then we have to stop buying from the club shop. I mean, a year or, you know, just don't buy from the club shop for a bit. It'll, it will make some difference. Okay, so that's that's smaller things that fans can do. Yeah. Um, what about smaller scale stuff related to Sports Direct? Um, I know there was uh, the London Magpie Group, for instance, uh, took action in the flagship store at mm. Oxford Street earlier in the year. Um, it was it coincided with the controversial Shirebrook protest. I don't know how much you know about that, Andrew. I, it's too, I mean, I have read about some of the protests. Obviously, I read about the flagship store one. My issue is always with these sorts of scenarios is that generally, um, obviously, it's in, it's in London, so it's really difficult. Obviously, Mike Ashley is based most of the time in London or in the South, but like kind of the protest, for, I think for things to happen in terms of Newcastle, they have to kind of be northeastern based. Very difficult for us to get people not to go to Sports Direct because it's so huge, like it's one of the biggest companies is sports. Well, I mean, it's, you know, for me growing up, JJB, JD were the biggest ones, but like Sports Direct now probably is taken over compared to them. So it's very difficult for us to make an impact on Sports Direct. I think we have to try and focus it on Newcastle or raising publicity. Like I think it was a good thing that we did when we got the MP involved to talk about Mike Ashley and his ownership of the club can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the MP, but that was a good thing because, you know, that created a story. More people read about the story and that was good. We're also getting more fans to talk about and more people who aren't Newcastle fans. So we've had um, this year, we've had Ian Wright talk about it. You had an article from Henry Winter talk about it. You get more and more kind of anti-Ashley articles, which is a good thing because unfortunately we've had the ridiculous, like I said, Rio Ferdinand, you had Richard Keyes earlier in the year saying that, you know, if Rafa wanted so many players, if wants a player, he should use his own money, which, I mean, sometimes you just can't argue with stupid. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if, he's, if he's so desperate for a striker, why doesn't he use his own money? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, even if you don't rate Rafa as a manager, Danny Murphy is very anti-Benitez as well, but he, he, and it, you can see it's because obviously Rafa sold Danny Murphy when he was at Liverpool and uh, he's still a bit bitter about it. But even Danny Murphy says like they need to change the ownership. Nothing's going to happen until they change the ownership. So yeah, I think we just need to keep trying. But for me, I, I, in terms of what fans can do now, I do think we have to try not going to, you know, protesting these couple of games towards the end of the season and also the club shop, because that will make an impact, I think. I guess it's a bit of a mix of all sorts of things, small-scale stuff, stuff to do with sponsorship, mm-hmm. uh, larger things when they can be organised. It's an interesting debate, and um, we're coming to, a, the. I've said it before, the crossroads to do with Rafa's contract, and mm-hmm. you said the other week it was 50-50, um, in your opinion, and I'm probably of the same belief, and I think a lot of people are. 
it's an annoying thing to say time will tell but it seems uh, personally it i don't think we can we can stand idly by necessarily as as it happens so i think if i was rapper i would not sign the same contract that he signed before supposedly the contract he's on now had a six million b compensation clause that if he was to break it and move to any other club they would have to pay six billion in compensation or he would have to pay it and like a lot of clubs would be put off that if he had any good representation i would definitely if i was to sign a new contract i would make sure my release clause is very very low because of the broken promises and you know when he signed his original contract they were promised supposedly he had written guarantees but it's very hard for them to enforce that legally about transfer budgets and so forth mm-hmm. so uh, he has to make sure that he if Ashley does his old tricks again and you know again we're net profit in transfer windows then you know Rafa needs to um, make sure he's got an exit clause for himself really and um, the one thing which concerned me about what he said the other day um, when he was on Sky, um, Sky Sports was he's talked about that he's used to being at the top of the table fighting for titles. And that just rang alarm bells for him to say that. For me, like, we are nowhere near that. We're not even close enough to win a cup at the moment. But Watford have got to an FA Cup final, so, you know, you never know. But, like, generally, um, it, it that, that statement, that, that sentence just rang alarm bells for me because that's someone who's thinking, like, he probably wants one, you know, Newcastle was a good rehabilitation job for him in terms of after Real Madrid where it just went all wrong and he didn't work out the way he wanted. But he wants to take Newcastle to the next level and uh, if he's not able to do that, like, why would you stay? OK, um, on more positive note, it's... Uh... The man himself, it's his birthday today. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. So, happy birthday, Rafa, if you're listening. Uh, we know you do. <laughs> we'll stick with the positivity. Let's think about this season. It's coming to a close. There's been some highs, there's been some lows. I was thinking about my favourite goal this season. Uh, mm. Before I go on to mine, what are your thoughts on that? Which is What, what has been your, your highlights and your goals of the season? Um, I think because of the circumstances of the match, whereas the last kind of last second, I think I'll have to go uh, Matt Ritchie that against Bournemouth away. I think that was just a great moment because you kind of felt like the game we the game had got away from us. We hadn't really done anything in those last 10 minutes after Bournemouth scored to make it 2-1. So uh, for him to pull it out of the bag, and like I, I don't think he'd scored all season. So for him to pull it out of the bag in that last seconds was uh, an incredible moment. Um, and I think Fabian Shaw against Burnley is probably pushing it. I don't know what you you went for. Well, they're part of my top three. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think part of the Richie goal was, well, the fact that he hit it so hard. Beautiful to see something still rising as it hits the net. I know there was unfortunate arrests and things like that associated with the Bournemouth game, but the reaction of the crowd, it was just sensational. Like you said, nothing had really happened, but then it just completely turned on its head and it was like war <laughs> in the stands. Yeah. Uh, so that was fantastic. And Fabian Cher, we, we spoke about him already, about how great he's been, his, his confidence on the ball. I mean, that goal against Burnley superb just jinking past several players hitting it the way he did that's it's just Roy the Rover stuff isn't it showed his attacking ability really isn't it he scored two against Watford he is definitely a a forward thinking defender yeah it's been important with Lejeune missing as well that he's stepped up third one 
Rondon. Well, thought, that's a great guess. It was Rondon's. Have a have a guess which one? Uh, Rondon against Bournemouth. Oh, you're, you're killing me here. You're spot on. It was. Uh, it was because it was so Shearer-esque. Um, yeah. The 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 header anyway. So because he he scored a free kick as well, didn't he? Yeah, his header. It was so Shearer-esque, and even Shearer was like, "That was something." I would struggle. Like it was so good. It was it was incredible. The, the amount of power he generated with his neck muscles was just fantastic. Yeah, all the yeah. more reason we have to we have to make sure that we we do something about that situation, and uh, hopefully we'll get a signature from him. Uh, for I don't think well. The, with rumours about other clubs coming in for him, I mean, I just don't know. But yeah, I hope so. I mean, Dwight Gale scored a hat trick for West Brom the other day, so. Hopefully they'll want to keep him and we can force them with that deal that basically we want Rondon in um, in exchange for Gale. You know, we'll probably give, be willing to give some money, but I don't know. Still, this is the problem when you loan players. They're yours, but they're not really because if, if they do amazingly well, other clubs will just go in for him. Mm, it does seem a... I, I did hear one newspaper report of doing a six-player swap deal which mm. was just ridiculous. <laughs> mm. the, th- the thing was, at the time when we signed him, I think his best goal record for West Brom was about seven goals. But you've got to remember, it was a very defensive, pulist West Brom. He played for the majority of the time. Obviously, he had Pardew and um, Darren Moore in his last year. But um, going and getting... Um, so when we got him, I was like, oh, probably alone's a good idea because, you know, if he struggles, then it's not the end of the world. But now, looking at it, maybe if we don't get him permanently, he was a little bit naive. And Rafa did really want him. He, he was so, like, a lot of people were like, why would you let Mitrovic go for um, for Rondon? But Rondon's all-round play, I think, is better than Mitrovic. Obviously, he's a bit older, but for me, Rondon is an upgrade on Mitrovic. It's the industry as well he brings, doesn't he? He brings such hard work and uh, And, and no free match fans as well. <laughs> <laughs> quite right yeah I was going to mention I saw a couple of transfer rumours just before I mean again I think they're very very unlikely this is this is the issue I have sometimes with transfer rumours I read about Newcastle is like you read the rumours and you're just like that's never going to happen so <laughs> um, like when like so the the two players I've seen were Ryan Fraser and um, David Brooks from Bournemouth mm-hmm they're never going to come to Newcastle. Like, firstly, Bournemouth are ahead of us in the Premier League. Um, so, and secondly, there'll be other clubs with bigger money. Like, I'm sure Everton would go in from West Ham Walls. All these clubs would be in for those players because they're really attacking, very exciting players. So, unfortunately, until like it, it comes back to the same thing we've been talking about all day, until we change the ownership, until we make a difference, that. These type of players, it would really improve our squad. I mean, for me, Fraser's been fantastic this year. Then they're not going to come. So that's why I always find like there was. A, I think there was a Hertha Berlin striker a few months ago, or Hoffenheim. Sorry, I think it was Josemiron, and he has a, he was linked with a fifty million pound move to Newcastle. <laughs> Newcastle haven't spent fifty million in total in probably the last two seasons let alone spend it on one player. It, it does make me laugh sometimes, the transfer rumours that come out. The Almiron one, though, maybe it will be, we'll start spending 20 million now on loads of players, but I really, really, really 
really doubt it. Probably zero point zero percent chance. Well, we all await how he turns out. It's looking yes. positive so far, and the summer looks to be a big test for both the team, transfers, and fans as well. Get in touch with the podcast at London Magpies on Twitter, London Magpie Tube at gmail.com. For now, it's over and Ashley out. Bye for now.